and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, uh, today, if you follow me on social media, you already know, but we start a brand new series titled, There Is More. There is more. Everyone say, there is more. And over the next few weeks, I'm excited because I feel like we're going to venture where uh, many choose not to. I think there's a lot of mystery in the person, in the work of the Holy Spirit. I think part of the reason that we don't always hear much about the Holy Spirit is because of that mystery. We don't want to get it wrong or we're not, we're not quite sure what it looks like or how it works. We're not quite sure what he does do or what he doesn't do or uh, what, that work, what that work looks like. So it's just easier to preach something else and we'll just avoid it in general. But I would rather walk into it and have the courage to step into it and say, Holy Spirit, who are you? What do you do? Whatever you do, do in us, do through us. Amen. So we're going to have the courage to step into this and I'm confident that we are going to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I'm expectant that this series is going to stir up a brand new hunger in us to uh, encounter more of God by embracing the Holy Spirit and seeking the Holy Spirit in a way that we never have before. I I really believe that's going to happen. Like, I I think sometimes we forget what Jesus said. But in Luke 11, verse 10 through 13, he tells us, everyone who asks, receives. This is Jesus talking. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he follows that phrase with this. Don't miss it. He talks to dads. Any dads in the room? He says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, you give them a scorpion. Of course not. Dads, you love your kids. You want to give your kids good things. You know, assuming it's safe for them and it's good for them, we want to give them the things that they desire too, right? Jesus says, of course you don't do that. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Someone say, how much more? How much more? Will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I'm here this morning to tell somebody that there's more for you. And I just don't know if everyone in this church or everyone sitting in these seats has always asked, has always sought, has always knocked, asking for more of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus told us, how much more will my father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more? How much more? Somebody shout, there is more. more. Y'all came ready for church and I love it. I want to be careful because I'm for the kingdom. I'm for the kingdom of God. I'm not this church against this church. I love the local church. I got pastor. I got friends who are pastors in the local church. I I got friends, uh, uh, ministers, people that I know. We they attend different denominations. We come out of different denominations. But I, I know through all of that, there's lots of opinions on who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, what he does, what he doesn't do, how he doesn't work. But I will say, I think there's many believers that are missing out on the more we can receive from the Holy Spirit. And I don't want that to be destiny church. If there's more, we want it. If there's more, we will ask, seek, 
and knock until we experience it. If Jesus has more for us, we'll relentlessly ask, seek, and knock until we receive it. Jesus, we want more of you. And I think it's important that we understand that the work of the Spirit is the work of Christ in our lives. Huh? Yeah, I, I think it's important we understand that any work of the Spirit is the work of Jesus. Jesus and the Spirit are not the same being, but they're both God. They also don't work apart from each other. Yeah, come on, we're get, we haven't even said the opening prayer. We're already getting deep. Come on, am I part of a church that ain't scared to get a little deep? Come on, can we move beyond Christianity 101 every once in a while and say, what, what does this text say? What, what do we find out in this? Amen? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not the same being. They are both God, but they don't work apart from each other. I want, you to, I want you to take notes. I want you to write this down, make it really simple for you. The Holy Spirit is on assignment from Jesus. Jesus has received authority from the Father. Did I say it too fast? The Holy Spirit, let's make it really, really simple. The Holy Spirit carries out the work of Jesus in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He carries out the work of Jesus in our lives. Now, just so y'all don't think I'm making this up and just throwing around a bunch of Badoodle, I couldn't think of a word. <laughs> it's not a word, you're right, you're right. Just turn to John chapter 16 and, John chapter 16 and shut up, all right, here we go. John 16, it says this. This was Jesus talking again. He says, now I'm going away to the one who sent me, so I'm gonna go back to the Father. And not one of you is asking where I'm going, instead you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you. It's better. It's imperative. It's essential. It's a good thing. It's the best thing. It is in fact best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Some translations might say the helper won't come. The gift won't come. He's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's better that I go away because if I don't, you won't get the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, I'll send him to you. So here's where we see the Holy Spirit is on assignment from Jesus. Who sends the Holy Spirit? Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, here's what he'll do. He'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world, which is Satan, has already been judged. What is he saying? Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to me. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work in your heart. The Holy Spirit is going to, is going to minister to you. The Holy Spirit is going to bring you to me. He's going to, he's going to give you wisdom and knowledge about the things of the Spirit. How many know? Come on, there is a day when all of us will be judged. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us to the Savior we know is Jesus Christ. The wages of sin are death. And at the end of this life, if Jesus hasn't paid for our sin, then the reality is we will be the ones that pay for our sin. Let's keep reading. After that nice encouraging thought. Verse 12. There is so much more I want to tell you. But you can't bear it now. This is Jesus talking. But, but he goes back to talking about the Holy Spirit. Y'all still with me? Okay, so it says when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, here's what he's going to do also. He's going to guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit's going to convict us, right? The Holy Spirit's going to guide us into all truth. 
And then it says he will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. Why? Because he's on assignment from Jesus. Okay? So he's going to tell you. He won't speak on his own. They're all working in unison. They're all working together. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is, is constantly at work. He will not speak on his own. He'll tell you what he's heard. And he will tell you about the future. Jesus uh, carries information through the Holy Spirit to us. I know that might be a strange way to think about it, but I don't know how else to make it plain. There, there's wisdom and knowledge in the Holy Spirit that Jesus d delivers to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And, he, and here's what the Spirit will do. He will bring glory. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit is on assignment from Jesus. The Holy Spirit is leading us into a life to be like Jesus, to glorify Jesus. Amen. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine because the Father has given Jesus authority. Jesus has put the Holy Spirit on assignment. Okay. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So based on the words of Jesus, what he just said there, as we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all working together in perfect harmony in the lives of believers after Jesus dies and resurrects. Y'all aren't scared to get deep, are you? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. And then we'll jump into this thing. Father, we love you so much. Um, God, I'm grateful for what we've already experienced today. And we just ask for more. I pray right now through the power of your spirit, you would till the soil of our hearts as we deliver the, the truth, the seed of the truth of your word. I pray that it would grow roots in our heart. It grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed by your word. We don't just want to hear it. We want to live it out. We, we want to do it. So Father, I pray that you would allow transformation to take place in us. Help us to receive this word and apply this word. And Jesus, I pray that this church would foster kids in your holy and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm just going to get right to it today. No cute story. I'm not out here trying to make y'all laugh today. I, I just, I, this is straight business. Okay. And, and so pastor Mark's going to put on his teacher hat for a moment and we're going to dive deep. Is that okay? So no stories. Cause I need all the time I can get the first and so let's, let's, let's answer the first question. We're in a series titled, There is More on the Holy Spirit, depending on what denomination you come out of, depending on what church you come out of. There might be some disagreements on this. And, and here's the deal. Again, I want to have enough humility to say, this is what, how I've read the text. This is how I've interpreted the scriptures as your leader. I am doing my best to steward God's word. Uh, so I'm going to give it to you the way that I received it. Okay, so here we go. When does the Holy Spirit live in us? Because I know some of us have been taught when I put faith in Jesus, that's when I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have been taught if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So when does the Holy Spirit inhabit your heart? I would like to make this really clear using the scriptures. And based off the scriptures, we learn that when we place our faith in Jesus as the Savior of our souls, in that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is activated in our lives. So I've come to the conclusion based off what I see happen in John 20, that upon belief in the resurrected Savior Messiah, the Holy Spirit is activated in our hearts. So let's turn to John 20. Let's look at it. 
Just a little context here. Jesus has been crucified, put in the grave, resurrected from the dead. Um, he's walking around on earth. The disciples are hanging out with each other, but they're scared of what the religious leaders might do to them because they just saw and heard about what happened to Jesus. So they've locked themselves in a room and they're hanging out eating Cheez-Its, okay? And then all of a sudden, boom, Jesus walks through the wall. Not making it up. Let's look at it. John 20. That's Sunday evening. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. They're like, ah, right? What the, where did you come from? We know they were scared because Jesus, next thing he says is peace be with you. Okay, relax y'all. This is me. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then it says that he breathed on them and said, receive my Holy Spirit. We have to consider the time that this is happening. This is the first time the believers, the disciples specifically, have seen Jesus post-resurrection when they had faith that he is the risen Messiah. It's really him. And as they see him, as they see in the wounds, and come into agreement with that this is really Jesus, we see that Jesus breathes on them and says, receive my Holy Spirit. So I come to the conclusion they have the Holy Spirit in this moment. They have the Holy Spirit, right? We also see in Ephesians that when we believe, Christ identified us as his own by giving us his spirit. I'm just warning y'all, got lots of scripture today. Okay, so just hang on, buckle up, going for a ride. Ephesians 1, it says this, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, when you believed, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. When I put faith in Christ, I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. Salvation is mine upon faith in Christ. At that moment, the Holy Spirit is activated in our lives. God marks us as his own, okay? So based off my interpretation of the scriptures, I would state that it is inaccurate to say that a believer um, does not have the Holy Spirit if they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I will suggest, and we're going to get in this today, that receiving the Holy Spirit upon salvation and being baptized with the Holy Spirit are two separate occasions. Again, based off the scriptures... I see the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a separate experience in which the, the, the believer receives power. But we'll get to that, okay? So we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus, okay? But what do we do? Like, like what does the Holy Spirit do? So I, I wanna make this really simple because I think the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is complex and I think the Holy Spirit does a lot. I think the Holy, there's a lot that the Holy Spirit does, but if I had to make it really, really simple and break it down into one phrase, I think you're good to know this. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. That's what he does. Write that down. The Holy Spirit is carrying out the work of Christ in our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. 
And we learned in John 16 that the Holy Spirit will one, convict us of sin. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And then the Holy Spirit is the vessel through which Jesus communicates to us, with us, and through us. There's, there's more the Holy Spirit does, and that's the whole reason we, we're in a series titled, There is More. So I'm partially answering this question, but there's a lot. It's going to take four weeks to answer what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives. But, but I want to look a little more. What else, what, what else do the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit does? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, uh, starting uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 3. I'm, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3, 16. It says this, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, when I put faith in Christ, it says that a veil is taken away. We talked about this last week. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us that have had that veil removed, we can now see, but also reflect the glory of the Lord. Okay, when I put faith in Christ, it's the spirit that removes the veil. So we see the work of the spirit is activated upon belief, okay, removes the veil, and now I can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And then it says, and the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. This is a process, church word, sanctification. Come on, when we put faith in Christ, he removes the veil. And from that point forward, the spirit of God is making us more and more like Jesus. There's another verse I want to share with you out of Romans 2. If you got your Bibles, turn with me here. It'll be on the board. You can cheat if you need to or board TVs. The Spirit makes us more and more like Christ. Check this out, Romans 2, 28 through 29. Paul's having a conversation. He's writing a letter and he's saying, listen, if, if, you really, if you really love God, he says true Jew, but really what he's talking about is if you're really right with God, here's what it looks like. For you are not a true Jew because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Listen, just because mom and dad were Jewish, just because... Just you got circumcised, that, that, none of that. It's not rules that gets you right with God. This is what he's trying to communicate. He says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. Okay? And true circumcision is not merely just obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of the heart produced by what? The Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not people. So before we ever see behavior change, the behavior change is just fruit from what the Spirit has done in my heart, right? So what this verse is telling us is that when I put faith in Christ, the Spirit gives me a new heart. And before I used to care what people thought, before I used to live for myself, before I was led by my own fleshly desires, my own fame, my own popularity, my own desires, uh, my, my, the own thing that, that I wanted, my greed. It was, I was living a life about me. It was about me. Even when I did good things, my intentions were off. It, 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 there's, but when the Spirit made me new, I stopped living to please man. All of a sudden, my eyes went up. I started living to please God. That's what happens when your heart changes. So, so behavioral change comes from a heart change of God. Now I want to honor you with all that I do. I want to honor you in my relationships. I want to honor you with my words. I want to honor you with my actions. I want to honor you with my finances and my friendships. And now I'm living a life to please God. So we only see that behavior change after God's given us a new heart. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict us, guide us, speak to us, but he changes our heart. Changes our heart. Someone say amen on that. Amen. Spirit 
We'll talk about this in the weeks to come. He also gives us uh, spiritual gifts, special abilities, and, and we'll break some of that down. But for all of us, th- this, this work of the Spirit, when I place faith in Christ, what, what happens right there, that is for me. That's for me. But remember, John the Baptist told us in Matthew 3, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But he says, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater. I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. And he's going to do something different. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now I'm going to make a bold claim to my church because I love my church and I want to see us operating in the power of God. I want to suggest that many of us have placed faith in Christ, but very few of us have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that many of us have encountered the Holy Spirit in this way. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is a separate experience where, God, where, where Jesus clothes us with power ultimately for the work of the ministry. Okay? We're going to look at this. It, it's where the Holy Spirit comes upon us in a unique way. Write this down. We receive the Holy Spirit the second we place faith in Christ for us, but we're baptized with the Holy Spirit for others. Room's quiet. It's all right, we'll break it down. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Acts. And the reason we clearly see this is a separate experience in the scriptures is because in John 20, before Jesus has this conversation, we saw Jesus speak to them, breathe on them and say, receive my Holy Spirit. So we know that the Spirit's already been activated in their lives. But then in Acts 1, Jesus says something else. In Acts 1, starting in verse 4, he says this, once he was eating with them and Jesus commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, receiving the Holy Spirit upon salvation and being baptized with the Holy Spirit are are two different occasions. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But But he says this back on topic here. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. They'll receive power to carry out the kingdom work. You'll, you'll, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's what we discover. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit is an, is an event in which the, the believer receives power to witness. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon a believer. It's the Holy Spirit filling the believer. And we see when Christ was baptized, something very specific happens. Christ goes under the water. He comes up. Then the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. Y'all remember this? Then the Father speaks out, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So we see if Jesus already has the fullness of the Holy Spirit, again, I I don't have all the answers. It's mysterious. Like, I just don't have all the answers. But what I do clearly see is the Spirit descends on Jesus. Can we agree? 
Okay, so the Spirit anoints Jesus. The Spirit comes upon Jesus. In Luke 4, The very this is right after Jesus has been baptized. In Luke 4, the following verse, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Spirit, Never referred to Jesus like that before. I don't have the audacity to say that Jesus didn't have the Spirit, but him being full of the Holy Spirit, they only refer to him that way after the Spirit descended on him. And then it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Acts 10 makes it really clear. God, Acts 10 tells us this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I'm convinced that in the same way God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, the same way that God anointed the apostles with the Holy Spirit, the people in the apostles ministry with the Holy Spirit, empowered to do the works of the ministry, God wants to anoint us with the power of his Holy Spirit to do the work of his ministry. I'm convinced in the same way he anointed Jesus He wants to anoint us. And this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the filling of the Spirit. This is the Spirit coming upon us. This is God anointing us with power for the work of the kingdom. I love what 1 Corinthians 4.20 says. This kingdom ain't just a kingdom full of talk. This kingdom is living by God's power. I'll read it just to make sure I get it right because that was the ghetto version. But for the kingdom of God, not just a lot of talk, It's living by God's power. Do we see the power of God at work in the church? In Acts 1, Jesus had told them they'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, we see it happen. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. See, so we see something's happening in the atmosphere. This isn't something on the inside. This is something that's happening on the outside, right? This is is the presence of God coming, coming upon believers, immersing believers, resting on believers. The day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then something happens. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there's two things here. We learn that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit to come upon us, all these, all these phrases insinuate the same thing. Okay, when we see they were filled, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, came, it came upon, you know, the Spirit came upon them. This, this is, they are all meaning the same thing. But what we also find out is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, something physical manifests from what's happening in the Spirit. At this point in time, you see the believers are filled and they speak the languages of men that are known. And there's interpreters. So people for the first time at at the Pentecost festival are are hearing the gospel in their own language for the first time. And and this Holy Spirit is giving them this ability to speak languages that they don't know. 
Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about how there's the language of men, but there's also the language of angels. And he talks about how there's times where believers, they utter mysteries in the spirit. And this is between God, this is the spirit praying through a believer to God and it edifies our own spirit. There's also times where someone in a congregation might speak out in this mystery, in this mysterious utterance where people don't know and there's an interpreter and that is equivalent to prophecy. We'll break this stuff down in the weeks to come. I know I'm throwing a lot. Is everybody with me? Okay. I got people walking out of the room too. Like, so listen, but this is, this is, this is where we got to go because I, I believe, you know, if there's more God, we want it. If, if you fill your believers with your Holy spirit, if it's an experience, we're not scared of it. We want it. Amen. So we see, I just, I just want to say when, when they're filled baptized, but also there's something physical that happens from what's happening in the spirit. Let's just see if it happens again. We saw it happen in Acts 2. Let's see if it happens anywhere else in the scriptures. Acts 4, verse 31. After they prayed, so this is believers. They're praying to God. These are believers. Do we agree? Okay. So if you just had all the fullness of the Holy Spirit just upon believing, would there really be a need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? All right. You answered it, not me. Okay, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now in this verse, we don't see that God specifically, we don't see something specifically physical manifest. I, my interpretation based off the other scriptures that I see, something physical probably did happen. The scriptures aren't specific enough to tell that, but we know after that experience, they spoke the word of God boldly. Why? Because they've received power. Let's just keep going. Acts 8, verse 14 through 18 says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. So here we are in Samaria. There's people who receive the good news about Jesus. These are believers, right? Okay, come on, church. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Doesn't say he wasn't in them, but it says that the Holy Spirit hadn't come on any of them. And they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see salvation sealed, water baptism done, but they have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So then Peter and Paul, Peter and John, this is verse 17, placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Then check out the next verse. There's a guy there, his name's Simon. He's a sorcerer. And he watches what happens. This is how we know something physical manifests from what's happening in the spirit. Because the next verse, verse 18 says, when Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me that ability too. So everyone whom I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. So we can, we know based off the context of the scriptures, something physical manifested so much so Simon saw it and said, I want that ability. Something physical manifests from what's happening in the spirit. Again, we don't see exactly what it was. We don't know what it looks like. I had to assume it's probably people speaking in tongues. That's what we see often in the scriptures with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's prophecy in there. Let's keep going. Acts 10. Verse 44. 
Little context leading up to this verse. There's a Gentile home. One of the guys named Cornelius receives a vision. They need to go get this guy, Peter, okay? Peter's praying. Peter gets a vision from God. God tells him, Peter, go with the guys who are here uh, for you. Peter says, okay, goes with the guys. He walks into this Gentile home. When he gets into the home, he says, listen, I'm really not even supposed to be here. So what's going on? Like, wh- why am I here? What, why have I been brought here? And, and Cornelius is like, I don't know. You tell me. Like, you know, God told us, go get you. God told you, come. Like, wh- wh- I don't know. And instantly Peter goes, I got to share the gospel. So Peter starts to share the gospel. Peter starts to share the good news. And there's something specific that happens as Peter shares the gospel. Look at this, Acts 10, verse 44 through 47. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And there's a group of guys with Peter as he's in this house. These are the circumcised believers they're referring to. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized with water because they've received the same Holy Spirit we have. They saw something physical manifest from what was happening in the spirit. But, but here's what's so interesting. And, and here's why we get confused in the church. And, and, and we, want, we want to put a system on it. We want to give you steps one, two, three for how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter said in Acts 2, after he preaches the gospel, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're like, what do we do? Peter's like, repent, be baptized, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we just saw that these Gentiles received the gift of the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. So there is no step one, two, three. You, you know what it is? I think it's submission. I think it's desire. I think it's just something Jesus wants to do on his believers. And we got to be okay with that. Jesus, if this is something you do, pour out your spirit on us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Are y'all seeing a pattern in these scriptures? Should we keep going? Let's keep going. Acts 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. You guys know the book of Ephesians in the Bible. That's uh, Paul basically planted a church in, in Ephesus. But before he ever got there, here's what he did. He walked into Ephesus and there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Pastor Mark, my church taught me that that just happens when I just put faith in Christ. I don't know. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. Their church was a lot like some of ours. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Y'all don't think that's funny? So Paul asked, well, what baptism did you receive? Because there's, there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit I want you guys to experience to have. Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was was for the repentance of sins. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That's in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They put faith in Christ. We know they're believers. They've been baptized in water. Those things have happened. And then it says when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Something physical manifesting from what's happening in the Spirit. You know, I already broke it down a little bit. Something that I think is interesting is 
we see that people, you know, often speak in tongues when this happens and prophesy when this happens. There's something physical that manifests from what happens in the spirit. And Paul broke some of this down. I just really want to quickly kind of skim through 1 Corinthians 14, ease some of your nerves, because I think there's people in the church who've been taught that some of these things are demonic, that some of the, amen, come on, glory. Some of these people, you know, some of us, I think we're really uneasy speaking in tongues. Like, what is, what is that? Is, is that for today? Was that just for then? And I just want to bring some clarity to this. And we'll talk about it in the weeks to come. But listen, this is what Paul writes, okay? He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So there's our answer. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Desire. Holy Spirit, if you got more, I want it. If you got gifts of healing, I want to lay hands on people and see them healed. Come on, if, if you have the gift of speaking in tongues and, and that's something you do, I'm going to speak in tongues. Come on, if you, if you have the gift of in miracles and that's something you do, I want it. If you have the gift of faith, I want the gift of faith. If you have the gift of teaching, I want you to give me the gift of teaching. Whatever gifts you got, whatever more you got, I want it, God. I want you to do it in and through me. Not for my platform, not for my fame, not for my popularity, not for my own influence, not for my own authority, but because I want to be effective in your kingdom and I'm going to bring you glory. So follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Not just speaking in tongues. All my AG people in the room, okay? Especially prophecy. For anyone, and, and here's where he brings clarity to this whole speaking in tongues thing. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Okay? Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. The Spirit gives believers the ability to pray out in a language. This is known, what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, this language of angels. It's this heavenly language that's not understood. It's uttering mysteries in the Spirit. Indeed, no one understands them. But the person, one who prophesies, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So there's a difference here in these things, okay? Verse five, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy because the kingdom's about others, not just about us. So he says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone speaks in tongues and it's interpreted. So the, so the church might be edified, but we still see that there's fruit. We still see that there is a possibility that a believer utters mysteries in the spirit without interpretation and it's edifying their own spirit. So we discover in the scriptures, as we go through these stories, sometimes people are given the divine ability to um, uh, speak the language of men. Sometimes believers are given the ability to pray in the spirit. Sometimes believers uh, are filled with boldness to speak the word of God. Uh, All I know is when we watch the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we watch something physical manifest from what's happening in the spirit. Jesus wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. If we want to see transformation, like not just write it on our wall, not just put it on posters in our bathroom. Like if we really want to see, not not just put it up on walls out here in the lobby. If we're really hungry to see transformation and that's really what we desire, come on, we need to crave, eagerly desire, ask, seek, knock the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want this to freak us out as believers, you know? I want it to be something we embrace. 
when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, it's powerful, it's beautiful, it's transformative. If we, if we wanna see transformation, we need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I always love when a preacher speak on something then give us his own story. I've shared with a lot of you what this looked like in my own life. But I grew up playing drums in church. And one day when I was in church, there was a dude who, a uh, quiet old guy in the back. I'm just playing drums. And he just, I never even heard this dude talk. Just really quiet, soft in nature, had soft eyes. And uh, he, he just, like a voice like thunder, speaks out in a language that I've never heard, couldn't understand. And I was honestly impressed that this dude was out here praying in another language. I was like, wow. But what the heck is going on though too? And uh, I think someone ends up interpreting that word and our pastor takes a moment to kind of teach us what had just happened. And so I got in the car with my parents after and I got all these questions and my curiosity has been stirred. And I find out that God does this through believers, that God does this in and through believers. And all of a sudden this hunger developed in me. Oh man, if God, you do that, if you fill your people, if you baptize people with your Holy Spirit, I wanna experience that. I wanna encounter you. If you do it, I want it. And literally for like the next eight to 12 months, I can't remember exactly how long it was. I just started praying. I, I had spiritual people uh, in my life, you know, my parents, but also people in the church keep asking, keep seeking. They knew I wanted this. I wanted to encounter this. I wanted to operate like that. And, and I'm just praying and and, you know, I remember laying in bed at night asking God, I pray that you would just do that. Come on, I want to experience it right now. My parents' bedroom was right under me and our house was so uh, crappy. There was holes in the, in the floor and they could probably, they could probably, Jess, you're in the room. Jess, you, we lived in that house, amen. You testified to that? Yeah. One time my dog peed on the floor and it dripped through the floor onto my dad's forehead. That is true. Back on topic. One day I come down the stairs and I say, oh, I want that to happen to me. I want to encounter God like that. I want to receive that from the Holy Spirit. She goes, all right, shut up. Get in the living room. Like she was mad at me or something. Everybody get in the living room. She brings the whole family into the living room. She sits me down on the couch. She goes, all right, I want you to confess your sins out loud. I'm like, I am not confessing my sins out loud. Okay, nice try. So anyways, we're sitting there. She's like, we're going to pray for Mackie. He's going to receive the Spirit, you know. And I remember like looking at my sister and my dad and their eyes are open. And I'm like, this is the most awkward I've ever felt in my living room. I don't think this is gonna be an atmosphere in which God moves by any means. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, she's asking me to pray out loud. I'm praying out loud. You know, my sister and dad are still staring at me. I'm like, would you guys close your eyes and leave me alone? You know? I said, mom, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm just gonna pray in my head if, if that's okay. She says, sure, go ahead, do that. So I remember sitting in this chair. I, I closed my eyes one more time, opened them, opened them one last time, looked at my dad and my sister. And their eyes were closed and they were in prayer. And it was like something switched. It was like, you know, the attitude of my heart just switched. I was like, all right, God, if you do this, I want you to do it right now. And even though I was praying silent, my prayers were violent. And it was, God, I want you to do this in me and through me. Come on, here I am. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Come on, God, fill me up. Pour out your spirit. Blah, blah, blah. You know, sitting there just praying violently in my head. And all of a sudden, my left leg just starts shaking like this. Other legs start shaking. And then like from in me, I lunge forward, speaking out in this language that I've never spoke before. Uh, uh, it's just feeling like the glory of the Lord's on me, crying, just weeping, just 
yelling out in, in tongues. And I finished it with, I am here, I am with you, I am here, I am with you, and I am coming, which I didn't know then, but what I realized now was prophetic. I was prophesying. I'd just been filled with the Spirit of God in my living room. And I'm not the only one who's had an encounter with the Spirit like this. Abigail's at church camp, been in the altar for two to three hours, praying to be filled with the Spirit of God. Her youth pastor tells her to go pray for this girl. She lays hands on this girl, and the minute she does, screams out in tongues. Kay Wilson's laying in her bed. She's told me the story. Gets waking up speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Can't explain that one, but it's a good one. Duel gets filled at summer camp. Jesus wants to baptize us with his Holy Spirit. So maybe you're in here and you're like, okay, this is new. I'm uncomfortable. What do I got to do? What, what do I do to be filled with the Spirit? And again, I don't, I don't really see a system. I don't see a rhythm. I don't have a magic concoction, but I have a couple practical things to help you. Number one, remove all barriers that keep me from all that God has for me. So you might need to confess. You might need to repent. You might need to forgive. You might need to really lay down some fear. You might need to really lay down some uncertainty and just clear this way of God. It's, it's a submission thing. God, you do whatever you want to do. I'm here. If this is something you do, would you do it in me? Would you do it through me? Number two, ask God to give you all that he has. God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I just want more of you. Come on, if you baptize your people with your spirit, baptize me, God. Fill me up, God. Oh, if you got gifts for me, God, I want to operate in those gifts, God. Whatever it is, pour it out on me. And then three, don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen. First time you ask, don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen. Second time you ask, I'm telling you, it took months, months, I'm, I'm praying. But Jesus told us, continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. This is such a beautiful gift that Jesus wants to give you. So let's just ask him to do it. I, I really believe, I don't know if this was a spirit putting in my heart or me just being a hopeful preacher, but I think testimonies are gonna start rising up in our church body from where the spirit starts filling people. And, I, and if he does, I wanna know about it. Come to me and tell me, but you might be in your closet, you might be in your car, you might be at your office desk. I, I don't know, but I just pray the spirit of God would start, uh, that Jesus would start baptizing us with his Holy Spirit. We need to seek this, okay? We need to ask God, baptize us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.